0: Hi there. I am so excited for you to hear from my brother, Chris. He recently finished a 20-year quest of running a marathon in every state. Such a huge accomplishment. You're going to hear a little bit about that and also about his top five Clifton strengths. I loved helping him understand more about how great he is as we talked about his strengths. He's an architect in Seattle. If you would like to learn more about you and your strengths, you can connect with me at Barbara colwell.com. I would love that. Hi there. Welcome to Embrace Your Strengths. I am so excited for you to hear from my next guest today, my brother, Chrissy. Welcome, Chris.
1: Well, thank you, Barb. I usually go by Chris. I haven't been called Chrissy in a long time, but uh, happy to be here.
0: Well, this is really going to be fun. I have really enjoyed just a little bit of of conversation we've been having lately about you and your strengths, but I don't know. This is, it's just so special because like, we're just, you're my big brother. We have two older brothers and we're kind of more close and they're a little more similar and more close, but tell, why don't you just start by telling a little bit about who you are, where you live and what you do?
1: Sure. Uh, so I live in Seattle, actually north of Seattle in a town called Bothell. Um, I'm an architect. I moved here almost uh, 40 years ago. And uh, I married my wife, Laurie, almost 40 years ago. Um, we have two um, great daughters and two great granddaughters, soon to be Another granddaughter and another or our first grandson, so that's what I do I worked at I work at uh, z g f Architects here in Seattle. We do a variety of project types yeah, that's my story.
0: It's just fun just to see you and just to connect I mean, I think you know I mean there's so many things we could say we're you're my big brother, and we've shared a lot of life together, but I know like since we've both been married, it's a little more um, time in between when we get to see each other, but I appreciate so many things about you and just, I feel like we just kind of connect on a deep level and it's really just so encouraging to me and who knows, I might cry a little bit, but. Me um, too. Yeah. We're good at that. Yeah. Well, um, what are you, what do you think about, like, as you think about us growing up and we lived in Massachusetts when we were young till I was fifth grade and you were what, eighth grade till eighth we grade. left there. But um, what are just some some of your thoughts as you think about being brother and sister of us?
1: Well, like you said, we have two older brothers. There's four years between me and Charlie, the next brother up. Um, so Barb and I have been like the second set of two kids in our family. Doug and Charlie were off and doing their own thing for a long time, and you and I were kind of a the next generation, so to speak. Although not really officially a generation, um, we had different rules. We had We moved down to Georgia in the middle of fifth grade and eighth grade for us. So that was kind of a whole new life for us. But then when we were down in Georgia, it did seem like we were doing our own things a little bit. You were doing fifth grade or sixth grade things. I forget. Sixth
0: grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. Eighth grade.
1: And And I was in high school, which was a whole different thing for me and everybody else who goes to high school. I think it was kind of cool when I left high school and went to Auburn and then you left high school and went to Auburn as well. So it was good to have that intersection again in college. So that was fun. Yeah,
0: I I kind of forgot about the junior high time, but I did like that you brought those cute boys to our driveway and <laughs> y'all played basketball in our driveway. So that was a really fun bonus and we would sail together and... Turn over the little tiny sailboat at the lake, and yeah, um, I don't know. I just I don't ever remember us fighting about anything, and
1: yeah, I don't either.
0: I don't know. Yeah, it was comforting when I went to Auburn and you were there, and just to be able to have dinner together, and then I hung out some at the Beta House with you, and it was really like a comfort that you were there. And now we, you know, every so often we give shout out to Auburn things, whatever's happening, and. We have that special connection. Why don't you tell briefly, just tell us what your top five Clifton strengths are. And I want to divert us before we kind of unpack what your strengths are about a very huge accomplishment that you've had. So um, tell us what your strengths are first.
1: The strengths are connectedness, learner, arranger, harmony, and developer.
0: Okay. Well, good. Yeah. I'm excited to kind of unpack those after we um, hear about um, what I think probably is my maybe one of your biggest accomplishments, right? Running a marathon in every state. I yeah. am so proud of you. And I am excited for you to tell a little bit about what that experience has been like for you. And I imagine the, most people that are listening don't know anybody like you. And so I'm excited <laughs> for them to hear from you of what that that um, journey has been like, and then also a little bit how that kind of the backbone of it is your strengths.
1: Sure. So I graduated from college and started to work, and I think did like a lot of people do, is they transition that mindset and just the daily activity from college, which is always thinking about class or homework or some something to eight to five going to work. So I got used to not thinking about work too much, and I would kind of get out of shape and not really be in shape. So I had a spell probably of 15 or 20 years of being out of shape and saying, oh, I need to get in shape. And I would go out for a run. And I would say, oh, I'm going to sign up for a 5K or 10K. And I would get in shape for 10K and I would run it. And then I would get out of shape again. So I had this in shape and out of shape kind of rhythm to my life. Um, And I finally said, again, after 10 or 15 years, like, I have to get better at this because this is getting old. So I said, I'm going to set a big goal of running a marathon. So I decided to run a marathon, um, uh, the Seattle Marathon in year 2000, uh, right in uh, November of 2000. One of the things that I found that people don't necessarily always know is a marathon is 26.2 miles. Uh, I remember, and I still get these questions often oh, how long was that marathon that you ran?
0: (laughs) (laughs) They're all the same, right? (laughs) They're
1: all the same. That's what a marathon is, 26.2 miles. Anyway, so I ran that and my goal was to just finish. And uh, of course I had to train for six or eight months. I was pretty nervous about it. And I stayed in shape for those six or eight months beforehand and did the race and didn't get injured and finished. I said, oh, that's good. Maybe I should... Do it again so that I don't get out of shape again and continue that old cycle. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I signed up for the next one the next year. Um, and I think that was the one that you, uh, Barb, and Doug ran the half marathon and Charlie ran the full marathon. Our other brother, our two older brothers uh, and Barb, uh, we did sort of a family deal. That was in. Yeah. 2001 just about a month before our mom passed away as I recall
0: I know for me that was like such a special memorable time just that one that you would ask us to join you in doing that and it was fun to kind of have a goal of something to do and yeah but that we were going to do it together and um I kind of started out training a little too fast and Just like, oh, this isn't going to work. So that's why I did the half. It was so special that we had that time with our mom. Yeah. You say a month before she passed away.
1: Yeah. So anyway, after that one, um, I kind of felt like, okay, this is a year and a half of kind of being in shape and being able to run and having a regular running routine. And I said, I'm going to keep it going. And I just kept my eyes open for other uh, marathons and I think it might have been I forget the, the sequence of all my states I think my the next one that I did was Minnesota I think state number two which was where my friend from college Joe Craven lived and I'd heard that was a great marathon the Twin Cities marathon so I ran that and then um, I heard the similar sort of reviews about the marathon in Oregon. So I ran uh, the Portland marathon and it might've been just after that that I connected with you, Barb, in Austin for the Motorola marathon in, in Texas. Um, at that point, I still didn't have an idea that I was gonna run in one in every state. I was just keeping my in shape rhythm up. Uh, state number six was Coeur d'Alene in Idaho that was, again, highly regarded. I thought that would made sense to go do that one. And it was at that one that I was running towards the back of the pack, which is normally my spot in the, in the marathon group. Uh, and I ran across several older gentlemen that were talking about said something like well you need 10 states to get in and i wasn't sure what they were talking about and i was asking questions and hung out for a while turns out there's a 50 states marathon club official marathon club that you once you have finished 10 states you can join so i said huh well this is my 6th state so i could do that and I could keep this stain and shape cycle going on, um, so that was when I said, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this," and I started just following the the wind on whatever made sense to do next. And I forget the sequence. I think my tenth uh, one was Arizona. Um, I think around in there sometime was Massachusetts, and that was a good reason to go see our aunt nancy and uncle ed and a bunch of cousins back in um new england so my wife and i went there um, and then it just kept on going and one of the things happened soon after early on maybe about state 10 or so i would call up barb i would call up charlie i would call up (laughs) others and just say hey well, here's what I did. I I ran this one and here's what happened. And Barb would always ask questions. Um, oh, how was it? Well, was it pretty? Was it cold? You know, <laughs> who else did you see? And she said, "Oh, you should start a blog." I said, "I don't I don't know what that is. What is what how, did, how, did, how do you do that?" <laughs> this was many years ago. And because she said, you know, then you wouldn't have to call everybody every time and tell them and you wouldn't all have to share details. the pictures. Yeah. Uh, so that's when I started my blog. Um, and that um, turned out to be somewhat of a blessing in disguise. By the end, I was really uh, happy to tell the stories about all these marathons uh, in in the blog and taking pictures and, so, yeah, that's the story, and then it was the last date finished up in uh, Labor Day of 2018 in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, so that was the 50th state.
0: Wow, but what what an accomplishment. I, um, I was just kind of rereading some of those entries today before we had this conversation. I'd, I mean, of course, I'd read them all when you did them in mm-hmm. real time, but... It's so amazing, and I'm just so proud of you. Well, thank you, Barb. So, but I think, um, yeah, it's it is just neat to see just kind of the backstory on like why you chose each state or who who you saw. I mean, the, one of the things I love the most is your just connecting with significant people, and I mean that seemed like a, that was kind of a lot of the the impetus to decide certain states because of who lived in there or you'd want to see. And I don't know, that's neat. Can you tell a little more about the last, I mean, I have a few other questions about the marathons, but, um, Mm -hmm. first maybe could you tell the story about, was it Jeff?
1: Yeah. Wow. That was
0: a very meaningful moment. So tell us about that.
1: So. Like you said, one of the benefits and the fun things to think about was um, people from school, uh, people from college uh, that I would be able to connect with that had spread out all over the country. One of the guys that I had stayed in touch with from college was Jeff Larson, who was one of my roommates in college. He had gone to med school and married Celia, and they lived in North Carolina, basically small-town medical, local doctor doing well. Um, He and I kept in touch, and I said I was running marathons, and this was, I think, soon after. I I forget if it was before. I think it might have been before Maybe it was state five or something, but it was before I decided I was doing one every state, but he, I said, Jeff, I'm going to run the New York city marathon. And he said, Oh, we're going to be there. Maybe I'll run with you. And turns out, you know, that's a lottery marathon. You have to win a lottery ticket to, to get in there. Um, and he wasn't able to do that, but he said, I'm still going to run. So he didn't go to the start line because they have security at the start line. But he met me at about mile one, and then we ran um, through about mile 25. And then you're not allowed to go into the fin- finish shoots if you're not an official runner. Um, but that was fun to run. And we spent, I don't know, several days hanging out in New York. Um, and so we would keep in touch about all of the marathons because uh, he was running other ones as well. We never ran any other ones together, but he would report in about the ones he had done, Pittsburgh, I think he did one in in Puerto Rico or somewhere in the Caribbean. Um, and then uh, I had a call from another one of our friends several, many years after that, eight or 10 years after, saying that he had heard from Celia that Jeff had, uh, I'm going to forget what it is, frontal lobe dementia, something kind of this uh, early onset dementia that happens for whatever reason um, and he was having a real hard time talking and just just it was kind of shutting him down and so that was not so good well i one of the things that came up was in terms of my tennessee marathon um i decided i would do the knoxville marathon. With one of, with Howie, one of the friends that Jeff and I knew from school, we said we would go see Jeff afterwards because he lived up in the hills outside of Knoxville. And then Scott, another one of our friends, drove up. And so the three of us went to see Jeff and Celia um, when Jeff couldn't talk. He, He was basically just really flat and had a hard time. Uh, engaging with anything, uh, Celia would kind of navigate us through. She invited us into her house for lunch, and we were just catching up on stuff. And um, Celia was telling about this story that that happened. There was a guy who was on the run from the police, and he ended up in Murphy, which is the town in North Carolina. They they lived in and somehow this policeman, this rookie policeman cornered this runaway um, guy who was on the loose and he trapped him and they caught him. So Jeff, who was the guy who taught me all about jazz music was in the Auburn university marching band, had his uh, music history, uh, All in his blood Played the trumpet, I think And probably a bunch of other instruments Um, Had music in his blood So he wrote a song Back when this happened, way back when About this rookie police officer That caught this guy on the loose And he wrote the song And Celia was telling us About the story of, of, of this this capture in murphy north carolina and the song that jeff had written and um we were we were there listening to the story and engaging and jeff was just sitting at the table having lunch totally blank not being able to say anything he was looking at us and apparently he could hear um and celia said you know at certain times, Jeff can sing that song. And so, in the midst of all of this non communication that we're getting from Jeff, he all of a sudden starts singing the song that he wrote about this rookie policeman. We're sitting at the table, like amazed, like, holy cow, we've come to see their friend from college and we haven't been able to engage with him. And now he's able. The only way he's able to do that is to sing the song, and so and then when he was done, he was just done, and you know he didn't didn't react, didn't didn't say, yeah, I remember wow. that song. It was just like he was gone again. Um, so anyway, that was that was kind of really touching, so uh, and special. I was gl- I was glad that we were able to to go see him, and he. I think passed away a year or so after we were there. Hmm.
0: Um, Wow. that's So so powerful. Like you say that just the song kind of put him in a whole different space.
1: And yeah. Wow. But there wasn't a
0: dry eye in the room, was there? Yeah.
1: Yeah. That was like amazing. It was amazing and sad. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: Well, I think about, I was telling um, Warren today, not that we didn't mention it before, but I love how, you know, your last race, just that you choosing Jackson Hole, and then you let all the family know, and we have a lot of aunts and uncles and cousins, and I don't know, that was just so special, and it was just neat that we all came together because you were running your last marathon. And um, I don't know, tell, tell a little more about that. Like what that was like for you. And even as you were running the race that day, but I mean, we, how many people, how many relatives did we have there? Like 30 or?
1: No, I think it was like close to 50. Really? Yeah. So it started really um, as as I said, we went to see Aunt Nancy in New England, and Aunt Nancy, who is now 92, I think. But you know, New England has a lot of states, and I saw her on every trip we went <laughs> to New England. Um, and she was always interested in um, all the other states that I was doing, and followed the blog, and commented here and there. And as I was counting down to the 50, I had to kind of plan it out and I was trying to think about what the last state would be and wanting to you know have my wife and kids and siblings and others that are interested come, first thought was, oh, it should be Hawaii because that's a pretty cool place to finish. But then I was thinking, then I probably won't get a whole lot of people coming. It should be closer. So, and Nancy said, because I, I had like several handful of states and she, I had some states out there. And for some reason, she suggested, how about we just all meet you at Jackson Hole? Um, because that was my Wyoming choice. And so she kind of facilitated a lot of that. Uh, once we had the momentum on that, then I um, asked my lovely sister if she could be somewhat the orchestrator of events and she happily said yes
0: yes yes i'd love to yes
1: yes. so that was that was good um but it, it and it just worked out um i know one of the questions that you might even have down the list here i'm not sure but what's your favorite one and my stock answer now is jackson hole Um, because of all the things. Um, But before that, uh, before Jackson Hole happened, I would have said, I don't have one. It's just three. And I picked New York City and uh, the one in Acadia National Park and then St. George Marathon in Utah, which are all really cool. Uh, But Jackson Hole was just the top of the list. Um, It was not really hilly at all it was mostly flat i would say it's up at elevation which wasn't a problem for us but and it was a beautiful was that labor day weekend and of course the mountains were awesome and we had these almost 50 people we had a lot of social events for people to connect and one of the coolest things was unbeknownst to me um my daughter ellen uh and she had help with laurie and katie and others made little little signs to go in the ground 20 or 50 of them basically that had a picture of me and an outline of the state Mm. like state number one washington state number 10 arizona and a picture of me from that race uh just a little thing and so it actually, I think we skipped the first two because I didn't realize there was things to look for. <laughs> um, but then we had these things every half a mile uh, for these little states. And so we would pick these sticks up that had a picture of me in the states. And the other thing that was kind of cool about that was as we're running through this very scenic place in Wyoming, I had uh, convinced my cousin Jim to run the first marathon with me in in Seattle back in 2000. And he was uh, uh, one of the people I stopped in to see when he was living in D.C. area. I stopped in to see him four or five times in all the trips and I would always ask him, Hey, I'm going to do New Jersey. You want to run? Nah, nah, I don't run. I don't run. <laughs> I'm going to do Delaware. Nah, I don't run, but you're happy to happy to have you here. So I would stop and say hi and whatever, but then uh, Jackson hole is coming up and I said, Hey Jim, here it is. Last one. You know, that could be kind of cool. you run the first one and the last one. And he said yes. Um, So he's only run two marathons, and they were my first date and my last date.
0: That's so great.
1: So that was kind of fun to finish um, with Well,
0: and I think it's amazing how much y'all look alike. You look more like him than your two older brothers, I think. Yeah, I
1: agree. I agree. So
0: that's so special. I agree. I loved just, like, tell... Tell how you felt crossing the finish line.
1: Well, um actually I get a little more I'm a little more aware of it as I look at the pictures that everybody took. Yeah. because <laughs> you in, were in,
0: about beat, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was I was tired. I mean you're tired after all of the marathons. Um You know, I, I, I've thought about this and some of it kind of relates as i look at and think about some of the strengths uh one of the things that i forget which one it is but it's a little bit more of a a journey mindset than a destination mindset and that was really true Uh, it's true in a marathon in general but it's true in this quest like you know you have this destination but enjoy the journey, enjoy Delaware, enjoy Iowa. Like what else is there to see? Who can you visit? Um, And so that was kind of on my mind as, um, as I was running, uh, well, preparing for and then running in Jackson Hole is like, Oh, I guess I'm at the destination. Oh. And, and it was, um, a little intimidating and I intentionally kind of didn't want to think about that because I wanted to keep the, the journey mindset in play as much as I could. Um, and, and even to the point that I had signed up for the Seattle marathon after I'd finished Jackson hole to run Seattle again in November, because I didn't want to have that big cliff that happens at the end of these big goals like that. Um, so that's, um, that's what was going on, I suppose, in addition to just finishing and, and thanking everybody that was there. And it was pretty cool that everybody had the T-shirts on that we designed and made and everybody's cheering. And it was, of course, a sunny day. And I um, was pretty relaxing to finish that and feel a, a sense of accomplishment.
0: Well, I think I mean it was um such a huge deal and we're all just there cheering and I think one of my memories I really like the most is just thinking of Aunt Nancy and Aunt Sis. Yeah. Just you know, they're just so darling.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, you know,
0: ninety year old sisters and they're just by the sidelines cheering you on and yeah. it, that was I cool. think it was such a I mean, even for us, some of us seeing cousins that we hardly know really. And, right. um, I don't know. It was just so neat. And I know there was a lot of people in the race that stayed around that cause they heard you were, your 50th. And I mean, it was just such a celebratory, um, time. And yeah, I know Charlie and I enjoyed running together and, um, well, kind of ran, enjoyed it, you know. <laughs> we um, we enjoyed seeing the fun signs of you along the way, and I don't know. It was just so. It was just such a amazing time, and of course, Jackson Hole is so beautiful too. Yeah. Well, um, let's talk a little bit about your strengths. I mean, I'm trying to think if there's another. I know one thing that is neat even for our listeners that they could go to, I'll put the the link to your blog on there because it is fascinating just to read it. And even like when we were together with our family recently, you brought the two volumes of the blog. Tell, tell about that and then we'll get to your strengths.
1: So, um, often when I would come into work and I would share the the blog of this last marathon that I'd ran, um, people said, Oh man, you should write a book. That'd be pretty cool to have this in a book and I said, well, yeah. Um, and so I would kind of debated about, Oh, well, is the book just the blog, you know, just translated to a book or is the book kind of a condensed version? Because towards the end I have to say some of the stories got pretty long because I would have a, a good lot to tell right. on this particular trip Big to deal. North Dakota or whatever it is. Um, and so if I just translate it all, that would be like humongous. So I should condense it down and just make shorter stories and less pictures and all that. But I I don't know. I was talking to Elle and my daughter about that, and we we she ran in the Vermont marathon with me, but we had run a couple of half marathons off and on. uh, And we would be talking about that. And I was been on the fence about that. And I tried to figure out how to do the self-publishing thing and translate all the stuff from the blog out to um, uh, some sort of self publisher, And, um, I don't know. I'd never really figured it out. And then last Christmas, uh, Ellen surprised me with a, a copy of the blog, basically everything in the blog in a book. And, the, and the, she had kind of heard me say I was leaning towards just having a replication of the blog rather than a condensation of the blog. So that's what it is. And um, it turns out it's pretty straightforward website where you can translate a blog to a book by giving them the web address and then making a few choices. And all of a sudden you have a book and it's like 900 pages and two <laughs> wow. volumes, but it's really nice kind of coffee table kind of book to have have around. And uh, it's interesting. I end up reading that a little bit more often than I go back and look at the blog and relive some of the stories.
0: Well, doesn't it have... Is it 9,000 pictures in it too?
1: Yeah, it's about nine or 10,000 pictures, yeah.
0: <laughs> That's unreal.
1: Yeah.
0: I think maybe we got the picture-taking um, gene together. <laughs> Do you think?
1: Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, love getting a glimpse of it at our last family get-together, but I would love to sit down and look through it more carefully. Yeah. Well, um tell me a little bit about your strengths. And I know we've talked a lot about the marathon, but I do think that they, as, as anyone listening can hear just kind of just your journey. And this is probably one of your hugest accomplishments, but I think that your strengths would kind of make sense as you, as we've heard a little bit about your marathon quest. So tell me what you been learning a little bit about them, what your different strengths look like, or what your takeaways are from kind of starting to tap in, and understand what they are.
1: Like I say, I was a little bit uh, pleasantly surprised when I found out my strengths, and I was a little bit not sure. Like, how how will they know what my strengths are by answering these kind of random questions that you do? Um, But I was like, holy cow, well, yeah, that does sort of resonate. <laughs> um, and as I've kind of learned about them and connected the dots of not only the marathon and my personal life, but also the work life, I'm still kind of amazed that the system works and it kind of can identify and suss out what's, what's, what's important and a strength for various people. I would say the one that really resonates a little bit more with me might be um, the connectedness um, and just the bigger picture of things and that we're all connected in in a ver- variety of ways. I think you know why did you do this marathon quest? And I, I don't have an answer. <laughs> I mean, I've kind of given you a little bit of the history of of how it came to be. But, you know, it could have been something else. And for some reason, I just think there's a reason in there. Um, And as I understand the connectedness, that's part of that mindset is there's a reason for um, things that happen. You know, I think maybe a more direct application of that is just all of those trips that I took, And connecting with school people or family relatives or even just going to see a sculpture in Iowa that kind of resonates with me um, for whatever reason, um, that felt like good. Like, oh, yeah, this is right. So anyway, that's the connectedness part.
0: So, um when I think of your connectedness, I think of a quote that I saw that you mention a lot in your in your blog, and it says, "If you've lost faith in the human race, go watch a marathon. It will reinstill in you your faith in the human spirit. Every runner has a story, a reason why they're doing this hard and rewarding thing, and spectators are right there in the middle of all these stories.
1: Yeah, so, yeah,
0: I don't know. I just think. That kind of captures just that idea of connectedness.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's it's that's one of the one of the more rewarding repeating things is seeing people on the sidelines when you're you're doing this thing running and then you see and it's not even just my people. I could I could see somebody ahead of me who sees their person ahead of me running. And they run out and hug and they have this little time and then the person gets back and starts running and then the spectator goes back onto the mm-hmm. sideline. And I don't know, though, that just feels like that's right. That's the way it should be. And and yeah. there's a bigger story at play.
0: Well, and I think you mentioned, I think, in a lot of your different states, I mean, it's kind of moves you to tears a lot in a lot of those yeah. races, hasn't it?
1: Yeah. For sure. For sure. Oh
0: that's neat. Okay, so learner, let's get back to your strengths.
1: So learner is, you know, and again both in my work life and 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 the running, the running part feels it just seemed like a natural outlet for me to say I've never been to South Dakota. I mean, I have to do a marathon there. I want to do a marathon there. What can I learn? What's the history? What's all the stuff that happens? Um, I remember a little deeper dive that I did was a really highly regarded race in um, West Virginia, the Hatfield and McCoy Marathon. And I'd always known about this Famous feud between the Hatfields and McCoys. But I didn't really know about it. And so that just kind of started me diving into that uh, history of that. And it was kind of cool to see a little bit of connection to that during the race and the pre-race and all the people that were putting on the race. And um, I think the learner comes into play a lot in, in my in my daily life is just like well, what why is the roof that way and what's happening over there and it just is my natural way of thinking in some ways
0: well don't you have a um a book list of books you want to read <laughs>
1: um i do have a long list of books how i many, want to read how
0: many are on that list that you want to read
1: uh, I think there's about 700 or so.
0: 700.
1: <laughs> wow. And it's it's not all just learning. There's some entertainment and fiction and just enjoyable books, but there's also some, some history, some other nonfiction types of things that are, might be more directly related to learning.
0: Mm, that's, yeah, I think that's the, um, a description of what learner is about. (laughs) Sometimes I I have a friend that say she'd go on vacation and she, after a while she had to go find a historical marker because she just had to learn something. It seems like that's like what you're saying and you've been doing in all the different States.
1: Yep. And that is a little bit of a, a really nice reason to have a hard copy book to it's like a little bit of a history book and a and a travel log about um, the states and my stories in those states um, and it's like relearning it again when I go back and read about uh, Mississippi and some of the things that happened in Mississippi although I have to say Mississippi is not a good example of what I just said because. Mississippi was one of my worst states. It was not because of the state itself but because I was like sicker sicker than a dog and uh, it was really hard to get through but I said I don't really want to come back to Mississippi so I'm, I'm, gonna, <laughs> do I'm it. gonna I'm gonna struggle through and get this one done mm.
0: that's too bad yeah. So then a ranger,
1: a ranger, um, again, sort of uh, is a natural. The the marathon quest is a a little bit of a natural illustration of that in just arranging all of these things. And when I would go to uh, New England and when when am I going to see Aunt Nancy? And then I wanted to go back to Westover, where we grew up uh, through fifth and eighth grades, and, um, oh, yeah, we're going to, uh, Ellen's going to come with me. My daughter's going to come with me and we're going to go see something new that she hadn't seen. So there was just a lot of planning involved in that. And that was really, really fun for me. I would make a little spreadsheet about these five days that I'm going to be on the road and where we're going to stay and who we're going to see and which museums are there and there's a hall of fame basketball hall of fame that we want to stop in and see or something like that. So, um, that then also in in a work, uh, mode, um, what I'm doing now is orchestrating project teams and people on those teams and how they're able to contribute to the project. Um, and it is, uh, Kind of the a natural uh, manifestation of what I'm doing at work is being able to arrange a variety of things.
0: Little side note: I loved getting to go with you when you ran in New Hampshire.
1: Oh yeah, that as was part cool. of
0: that little arranging, um, yeah. planning time too, and that was awesome for me to because that was my first time to go back to where we lived.
1: Yeah. Well, and I remember, <laughs> remember that I think that it might have been my th- third time or so. Um, and I would drive by and I would walk around the house. We lived on 48 Mellinger Lane. And then I go there with Barb, my sister, and it's her first time back. And she says, well, we have to go inside. We, we, we have to go inside. Let's just knock on the door. I don't know who's living there. We'll just find out. And so I said, okay, I'm a little nervous about that. And Barb, Barb just, just trundled up and knocked on the door. And the guy was a little bit odd, but he gave us, he, he allowed us to come in. And I took some pictures. And uh, that was pretty A lot cool. of
0: memories there. That was our yeah. childhood.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. I
0: remember when Doug and Charlie dropped the cat out of them second floor (laughs) window. That's right. Significant things happened in that house. One thing I do remember is when our dad, who we didn't mention was um, a pilot in the air force. When he came back from being overseas for six months, he had this big footwalker and he had all this fun little gifts that he brought back from Okinawa. And that's, that's a special memory I have in that house. And also our dog George that, um, they tossed over i guess it's a pattern they tossed him out of the canoe when <laughs> we went um camping once
1: yeah that's what
0: boys do sometimes yeah i don't think you did that though
1: that was our older brothers that wasn't us yeah that
0: yeah we were yeah. the nice ones
1: we're the good ones
0: okay so harmony and developer what about those
1: so harmony um i don't know that just seems like a uh, thing that i'm tuned into um, is just trying to get to um, a, a good situation with everybody that's going on. And as I, as a lot of people are kind of uh, averse to conflict, uh, I really notice that. And when I can sense a tension going on, um, then I will... Sometimes I'll put my head in the sand, but sometimes I'll try to make peace and try to see how I can connect the dots between this uh, conflict that seems to be going on. Um, I guess part of that also is reinforcing um, what I think of as good, harmonious behavior and, and it was just today I was noticing that, um, not that I was doing that, but I was noticing harmonious behavior between our two granddaughters who were visiting today. And they they were just one of those times when they were like just getting along and really supporting each other and thanking each other.
0: Oh, um, sweet.
1: That was that was uh, really cool, and of course, Laurie and I are uh, patting them on the back and reinforcing that really positive behavior. So um, I think that keeping the peace and promoting um, that collaboration is is part of my nature. Um, I think it's also at work uh, again in the in the role that I'm in. Um, trying to make sure that the teams are functioning well um, and that people are getting along and utilizing certain skill sets and communicating effectively. Um, that's a little bit on my brain uh, in most interactions that I have at work.
0: Hmm. That's great. Well, yeah, it sounds like you're just preaching to the choir here. I mean, harmony <laughs> is my number one strength. And Yeah. I was thinking about, I mean, I guess I tell people a lot, but do you feel like we kind of got that from our home growing up?
1: I guess so. Um, You know, maybe in a little different way. I mean, I try to think of it as a little more proactive, positive thing, whereas I feel like in our growing up, um, it was like, Oh, you just don't don't say anything about that. That's fine we don't need to we don't need to talk about something that is hard to talk about. Yeah. It was a little more um, let's just keep things calm, but not necessarily like promoting
0: go to it. the mat on all our different viewpoints
1: right, right, right,
0: yeah, I mean that's kind of what I feel that. Yeah, we didn't talk about things when people disagreed or, I mean, for me, I think it sometimes meant like, oh, I don't, it it may be a little harder to even have a viewpoint is how I felt sometimes. Yeah, yeah,
1: um, I'm I'm similar. I always say that I developed a good um, pair of blinders. And I think a lot of people do that just to kind of navigate through hard times but whatever you need to do.
0: And I think, I mean, just for me, even as I think about these things a lot, even as I coach people or workshops, I do think for me, it's been one to really consciously embrace that that is good and that's a strength. And like you mentioned, even promoting those kind of things at work. I mean, I think it's easy to kind of minimize the value of it. I mean, maybe I have done that more than you might have but yeah. um, but i do think yeah it it helps to helps provide a an atmosphere where people can talk about what they think but in a in a way that's co- more conducive to yeah. to good things so yeah i think yeah maybe that's partly why we gravitate to each other too just our harmony yeah. strength
1: yeah what about yeah. developer? Well, developer, um, again, is, well, it's one of my strengths. And however things work out, sometimes life works out where you're in a spot where you can uh, utilize your strengths or your strengths are definitely uh, in play. In my role at work now again being somewhat of a coach being a person that will help people grow in the profession and learn architecture um that just seems like a good mindset to have and i'm trying to pass that along as much as i can i think that the the tricky part about that is is how to um share that progress with others. Um, and that's one of the things that I think a little bit more about these days is, is how to celebrate, um, promote these people that I'm working with in how they're growing and the accomplishments that they've made. But it's, it, I think I've developed a little bit of a regular habit of positive feedback to people. Um, not ignoring all of the constructive feedback, but um, focusing on the positive side of uh, how people are doing their daily daily jobs.
0: Yeah, that's great. I know I always appreciate it when I'm around somebody that has a developer as a strength. I feel like even if it's not somebody at work, I think People with developer really are like a cheerleader for others, and it's like yeah. just kind of a. When you're the one that has it, you probably take it for granted that you do that, but that you're encouraging to um, others. I mean, I know for me and my little ventures of this race or that, the ones that I've done, I appreciated you cheering me on, and yeah. Um, well, um, you know, as you think about like just even the title of this podcast, Embrace Your Strengths. um, I think the more any of us can really understand what our strengths are and really have them be more front and center, that it can be really a great place to be, to be really thriving and enjoying our strengths and other people seeing the benefit of that too. But do you feel like for you to think of like embracing your strengths? Has that been hard or easy or what's that look like for you?
1: Well, um, as I said, I'm well, I just took this. I just found out what my strengths are maybe a year ago, two years ago. I forget how long ago it was. I took this thing. Um, So, To put words to what my strengths are is relatively new. Um, Like I said earlier, when I discovered what my strengths were, it did sort of resonate like, well, yeah, duh, that's kind of what I, you know, I've found. So it's been uh, interesting to actually be able to put some words to them and sort of think about them in different ways. And I know you spent a lot of time on that and I've appreciated the conversations that we've been able to have about that and shine a light. On that, um, and uh, and I've reflected back to, oh, have I been doing this all along? Is, is this sort of a natural path? Um, and so that's been um, kind of enlightening to see see it from that way. Um, and it's, I would say, it's again to the title of the podcast. It has helped me reinforce that a little bit more more directly now that I can have words and sort of say oh yeah well now that that makes sense now that I think about that and well yeah well maybe I should embrace those a little bit more and focus on those a little bit more than you know a lot of the things that just seem not as rewarding uh, that I end up spending time on so yeah it's been been kind of good to think about it that way
0: that's neat yeah it's fun even to um, think of just that example you mentioned with um, your little, sweet little granddaughters today of just like that's kind of an easy thing for you to notice or to kind of help facilitate of just people getting along. But even as you you noticed it, and like I said, you were cheering them on in that. It's like, yeah, even at the office, you know, and those people... Cut at each other's throats for something, you know, just that you're the one that's kind of like, come on, y'all, let's just
1: work it out. Yeah. Well, that really is rewarding. You know, again, the the example of Isla and Josie, my granddaughters. I mean, they're five and two. I mean, they're really cute ages. And to (laughs) see them like really happy and engaging to each other. And then whatever Laurie and I are able to do to help promote that, it's really like it gives it back because Joy to you. yeah, th- yeah, they're they're just cute in the first place, and you know, really um, saying interesting things and funny things and all that stuff. But to have the positive spin on it is really kind of like a a double bonus back, so to speak.
0: Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I appreciate so much you making time that we could have this conversation. Cool. And um, any, do you have any other two cents you want to share about any of the things that we touched on? Or no, I
1: don't. I don't know if I have anything to add. I, you know, I appreciate it well as well that you were able to uh, connect me up to my strengths because um, this is. This has been you encouraging me to find out more, and I'm happy to do that. Um, and happy to chat about it. Sorry it's taken so long to set up our little podcast here, but um, no, it's been good conversation. And I, I, I applaud you for all you're doing in 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 your world and in my world uh, to advance this type of conversation. It's really, really feels good.
0: Oh well, thanks. Well, I, um, I, it's been super encouraging to me and just for even us to have more, you know, it's not like we've ever talked about this before, but we talk about a lot of things, but just to kind of highlight just how great you are and just am always so appreciative when we've had time together, even these last few years of just connecting on all kinds of things. And I think just the. The nature of our our strengths, I think, is part of that. And I don't know. Yeah. We just have a sweet connection. And I'm just appreciative I agree. of
1: you. I agree. I agree. So, I appreciate you too, Barb.
0: Appreciate you taking time to be on Embrace Your Strengths.
1: Well, great. Thanks, Barb.
0: Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope this time has given you hope and encouragement about how amazing you are or helped you understand someone you know or work with or love. If you're curious about your top five strengths, you can take the assessment at cliftonstrengths.com. If this episode's been helpful to you, please leave a review, share the podcast with a friend, or subscribe to Embrace Your Strengths podcast. You can find more information at C-U-L-W-E-L-L.com. I sure look forward to our next time together. Take care.